exhortations. I plead with Eodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jill. Uh, It's my delight to be able to welcome Kai, who's going to come and preach for us, but I'm just going to pray for him as he comes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Kai, and thank you for the excitement of looking forward now to this this sermon and the things he's going to share with us. We just pray for a real anointing on him. Uh, Speak to us as we hear your, your word being expounded here. May we learn some eternal truths today and apply them to our lives. So just anoint Kai in the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. And good morning, lovely people. And you know what? It is lush. And I'm going to say that on the proper valley's way, what I do. It is lush to see bunting gone. And not that bunting, or that bunting. I mean, the restrictions of bunting gone. And being able to gather together. And what a joyful thing that is. And we talk about rejoicing. Well, that's something to rejoice in today. The sun is shining, restrictions are gone, we are together, and that is such a wonderful thing. Now, I want to take you back to the year 2007. I'm just going to... a few problems. I'll tell you what, I'll do... Hello, hello. Here we go. Now, I want to take you back to the year 2007. Now, some of you, and I'm looking in this direction over you, were just outside of being toddlers, maybe beginning primary school at that point, so you're excused. You for it. Some of us weren't even born looking at you at the front row over there. And some of us were, well, let's be honest, a lot younger. I was in theological college, my first year actually, in Bristol in that year with a full head of hair and dreams of being Archbishop of Canterbury by 35. Um, Nothing of which has come to pass. But 2007 is a significant year. And I wonder if it will be looked back in the annals of history as being a very significant year. You see, it was on the 9th of January 
2007 that a wonderful entrepreneur, IT expert and businessman, Steve Jobs, announced to the world the release of the first ever iPhone. And later on in June that year, sure enough, it did come out. And, well, they'd been smartphones before this. Some of you may have had a BlackBerry. I did at one point in my life, but this was the first major development in the world of the smartphone. People had mobile phones up until this point, but none of them were able to do these things that a smartphone did. And it's really weird to look back and think of the impact that these smartphones have had on our whole society. Before 2007, call it 2004, you could go into a pub, you could go into a cafe, you could go out for a walk and see people sat on a bench. And do you know what people were doing? They were talking to each other. They were looking at each other. They were talking with each other. Bless you, you ain't got a clue about. They were looking at each other. They were talking to each other. They were enjoying each other's company. Sometimes they were debating the great things of life. For example, who was Wales's record scoring try scorer of all time? Or what was the most popular ABBA song or something like that? People would have conversations for hours on end in pubs about these kind of things. And then it all changed. If you wanted to find out who Wales's top try scorer was, you didn't need to argue with your mates. You just got your phone and looked it up. And that's kind of how it's gone since. And I'm going to say now from the off, this isn't a lament for the good old days. This isn't me wanting to go back to the days prior to the smartphone and the days when chicken tasted like chicken and the world was a far better place. I absolutely love my smartphone. Currently, it's keeping my youngest son entertained down there and it is my best friend. It goes with me wherever I go. It is my calendar. It is my source of engagement with the world. It's how I'm able to speak to my mother. It's how I'm able to look at her. It's how I pick up my emails. It's my games console. It's my music station. It pretty much does everything I need to do. It is the technical Swiss army knife that I could never use when I was a kid. I absolutely love it. And as I say, as the world is right now, I couldn't live without it. Yesterday, for about one minute, I thought I had lost my phone. And I thought the world was literally ending upon me. So, it's a mixed bag. I think we can all agree that it'd be lovely to sometimes go into a pub or cafe and see friends talking to each other and not necessarily looking at their phones or four phones out at the same time. But we also appreciate that the world has changed a lot. But here's the thing about any change, and it goes with the technological change. And I'm not just talking about iPhones now. Take it back 30 years or so to when information technology really took off in the mainstream. I was a teenager in the 1990s when I was taught about this thing called email. And I remember this teacher saying to us, you know what, kids? You're all going to be having this email in the future and you won't be using snail mail anymore. You're going to be emailing each other things all the time. 
And everyone was looking completely baffled at him, thinking, whoa, where are you going with this? Talking about this snail mail, whoa, what's going on with the world? You know, back in the day, if you needed to send a message to somebody in work, you wrote a memo or even wrote a letter. Now you can email somebody and it's there straight away. The world has changed so much and really rapidly. In the space of my lifetime, it's incredible to see just how many changes there are. And IT is the source of that. You know, when I was a kid, Chris, and I'm looking at you, there were four channels. And if you lived in Wales, one of them was in Welsh. And I don't speak Welsh. I had to wait till 10 o'clock to watch Friends on a Friday night. That was it. You know, computers... Were they to type things out on, really? Maybe do a spreadsheet. And then everything changed. The teenage guy can't imagine me now having my smartphone or my constant connectivity online or Netflix. You know, it'll take you three years to complete Netflix to look at everything on it. So why is it, come the evening when I'm looking for something to watch, I can't find a thing? You know... The world has changed immeasurably. And with all these things, it has a massive impact upon us. And I think it's fair to say that one of the things that's been impacted on us is sometimes our mental health and even our sense of anxiety. And that's particularly true when it comes to work. Now, again, going back to work, my dad, when he was my age, When he went to work, he would finish work and sometimes bring work home. But he wouldn't, for example, get out his phone or turn on the computer to check if anyone had emailed him. People would have to wait until the next day. These days, we are always contactable any moment of every day. We are always, if you like, available. People can always get to us. And experts really do point this out to be a phenomenon that affects us, and especially adding things like stress into work. Being constantly available, being constantly bombarded with information has an effect on our mental health. We process more information in one year than our grandfathers and great-grandfathers did in their entire lifetime. So naturally, it's having an impact on us an impact on our minds and the way we think, the way we live, the way we do things. But also, again, there's nothing new in that. I'm from a mining community, an industrial community, and in those communities, those who are much older now, who worked in the mines, work impacted them in a different way. They have respiratory illnesses. Physical work had a toll on their body. And this is kind of the same you know, the growth in IT has an effect on us. And with all things that come from the world, there is good in them and there is bad in them. The good thing genuinely is that we can keep in touch. The good thing is during COVID, I could see my mom any day I wanted to or my sister in Switzerland physically see their faces. The good thing is we could gather together on Zoom. The good thing is we could do church online. It was brilliant. But of course, the bad thing is we can feel like we are never off. And all of that can have a massive impact upon us. 
And when we think about this issue of holiness that we are currently exploring in this sermon series for this year, it's something that we need to take pretty seriously. Today, the theme we've been given to speak about is holiness in spirit, which in many ways translates as being holiness in mind, because the mind can feel like the gateway to the spirit. What we see with our eyes goes into our mind and affects the rest of our spirit. And that, in itself, is not a new phenomena. To take us back nearly 2,000 years, and this book of Philippians, Paul was right into the church there, and they had some serious issues going on. To start off with, they themselves were in a grapple for information. You know, the Bible, as we know it, the canon of the Bible, wasn't set. Stories about Jesus were given by hearsay. And they wanted to know who exactly Jesus was. They wanted to work out who Jesus was. They were trying desperately to understand the things of faith that we ourselves can kind of take for granted now. At that point, there were no great, great, great councils declaring that God is three and three and one, a trinity. People were debating, perhaps, was Jesus himself even God? And all these debates were happening in the church and people grappled for information to find out exactly who Jesus was. Which is why people like Paul and Peter wrote to the churches to explain the mysteries of faith, making it clear to them what it was that was going on. Try and imagine it for a second, living in that world, trying to work out truth. And it kind of feels a bit similar to the world we live in now, doesn't it? The big phenomenon of the last maybe five years is fake news. When we look at the internet, how much fake news there is out there. When we read newspapers, how much fake news there is out there. Trying to discern what truth is, is a really difficult thing. And we can think that these things are new, but actually they're as old as time. And we see it happening in this church year. They were grappling with fake news, and it was Paul's job to make sense of it all. And of course, this whole thing of fake news has a massive side effect, and that side effect is division. When we are bombarded with information like we have been over the last 10, 20 years, it is far easier for us to be divided. It's perhaps the reason why things like Brexit have been so divisive. One of the reasons why anything political is so divisive. One of the reasons why COVID itself and what the restrictions say can be so divisive. And I think it's fair to say, and I'm not exaggerating, that the world we live in now feels way more divisive than it did before. There is so much to fall out over. And of course, the internet plays its role in that as well. I want to take you back to when I think I was maybe in my early 20s and I had this large group of friends and we all loved the same music, we all loved the same films and we were kind of coming of age at the same time. So my little group of gang of mates in Merthyr met up with a group of mates in New Tredegan next door or Aberdeen or the rest of it and we were like one big community covering South Wales 
all with the same kind of interests. And we all got on really, really well. And we'd see each other frequently, maybe on a Saturday night, where we go to the same pubs and things like that. And we were all great mates. Then somebody had this great idea. What we're going to do is keep this conversation going. I'm going to set up a forum on the internet where we can post ideas about what we might be doing this weekend, any great music you've listened to, or any great films you've seen. And so a forum was set up on the internet. You know where I'm going, James. It didn't take too long before ructions unveiled, before people started to argue. You see, when you take away the mantle of person-to-person contact and you just have a keyboard in front of you, those things that you might think but don't say out loud have a tendency to come out. And in this case, this is what happened. And this massive group of friends all started to fall out. There was some nasty things done, nasty things said, and it all kind of came to an end. But again, most of it based upon this lack of information and how we share information. And in this church in the New Testament, there was a similar principle going on. In this particular passage, Paul is speaking to two women of the church, basically urging them to put peace between them because they were arguing, they were falling out. We don't know what the context of their argument was, but we can kind of assume that it was something to do with the church perhaps even an argument over the nature of Christ himself. One way or another, it doesn't matter. The fact is, they had fallen out, and something needed to be done about it. Arguments happen so often when people are under stress, and this was a church under stress. Not only were they trying to understand the nature of God and make sense of the mysteries of faith, but they were also grappling with persecution. They were grappling with standing out from the crowd. They were grappling with so many things that perhaps we ourselves might take for granted. It was inevitable that arguments happen. And when arguments happen, anxiety creeps in, which is where this church was at. And it's kind of where we are at as a nation right now. Maybe even as a world, anxiety has creeped in through so much information being shared. Anxiety has creeped in by so many arguments happening, perhaps based on that information. Anxiety has creeped in and it has a massive effect upon us. And so when we think about this issue of holiness of spirit, holiness of mind, It is such a current issue. It's not a new issue. We've seen it here before, but it's an issue for us now. And I'm going to confess something to you now. I struggle with anxiety. This I'm fine with, by the way. Getting up and speaking to people, I'm fine with. That's my job. I train to do it. I've done it for years. I'm fine with it. But sometimes when I'm sat at home, I feel the shakes going. And I get really anxious and nervous. I feel that stress just come over me. I'm a naturally anxious person. And I get the feeling that I'm not alone in that. I get the feeling that I'm speaking for quite a few people 
in this room. I get the feeling that anxiety is something that many of us are struggling with. And where it comes from has so much to do with the world that we live in. In the same way where it came from in this New Testament reading had so much to do with the world that they lived in. The big question, of course, is what to do about it? How do we deal with it? Well, I think there's so much to be said with what Paul actually told these guys to do first and what Hannah B. said to us, and that is rejoice. You know, this question is for the ages of, you know, can you be a Christian and not go to church? And the answer, of course, is yes. But coming to church can be really helpful. And I'll tell you why. Because we come to church and we rejoice. And so many of those things are put into perspective. Sometimes we come and we give our worship to the Lord. We rejoice and praise his name. We sing to God be the glory. And we go, yes. And even sometimes we can feel those things fall away from us. It may not have happened to you today, but I can say it happened to me. Sometimes when we rejoice, we actually feel the anxiety fall away. But then we also know we live in the world. We leave church and we have to go about the world and about our daily tasks. So how on earth do we deal with it then? I think discernment has a large part to play. Understanding where negative things come from. Understanding the dangers that we're under. Understanding that, for example, our phones, as much as it can be a source of blessing, can at times be a curse. And almost discipline ourselves to acknowledge when we need to use them properly. In this room, we've got a doctor I can see her at the back there. And she's a doctor who trained for many, many years to do what she does. And she's a doctor who has much experience. She has treated numerous people over the years. But I've got Google. (laughs) So Heather is redundant because I have got Google. I will put in, I've got a headache, and all of a sudden I've got a brain tumour. Because that is what you find out through that. Sometimes, and I'm not saying actually putting things into symptom check is that bad, but sometimes you've got to use the experts you've got properly and not try and trust in what we do. We've got to be disciplined and actually using people who are trained to do these things and not ourselves. Not go down that other way, but actually use the resources that God gives to us. And I firmly believe that, say, Heather, I'm picking on you today, Heather, God has called to be a doctor. God has gifted to be a doctor. God uses to build his kingdom through the work that he has called her to do. We have that resource. We don't need Google as such. We have someone who we can go to. But at the same time, also acknowledging where we fall. One of the worst phenomena experts tell us, and as literature she'll tell us about, because she's a genuine psychologist, is, you know, the screen time phenomena. If you have your screen before you go to sleep, it can be a really damaging thing that interrupts your sleep. It's knowing not to use that. And it's also having the discipline of saying, these things should not get in the way of who we are in God. Because as church 
doesn't happen only on a Sunday, so we know we need the Lord throughout the week. I'll give you an example of what that can be like. Last night, I was having a fab time on my phone playing this game, and I was really loving it. And I was doing really well on it, and I didn't want to put it down. Then I felt this niggling sense in me, which was to say, you haven't read your Bible today. And that for me is a real spiritual discipline. It's not for everyone, but I like to read the Bible every day. And if I don't, I kind of struggle. And there was this other side of me, that in a conflict, was said, oh, it's only one day. Doesn't matter, does it? And this other bit of me saying, go on then, almost like the, you know, the devil and the angel in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. And I was struggling with this, thinking, oh, but I don't want to put this down, but I know I've got to read the Bible. And so finally, I put it down and I read the Bible. And I felt better for doing so. But I also know, on another day, that just wouldn't have happened. On another day, I would have carried on playing that game and missed out. And who knows what the consequences of that is. Discipline is such an important thing. And we speak a lot about spiritual disciplines, and they are so important. Keeping our spiritual disciplines, making sure we're praying, making sure we go to a life group, making sure we're reading the Bible. Whatever spiritual disciplines we have, do it. Because spiritual disciplines help us with something else. And that is to keep this commandment of Paul to get our focus right. Whatever is noble, whatever is good, focus on that, not on what is wrong. When we put our eyes on God, we take our eyes off the devil. And the devil wants us to focus on all that is rubbish. He knows that when we focus on all that is rubbish, it can hurt us, it can affect us, it can damage us. When we focus on God, it does some incredible things to us. Getting our perspective right is really important. You know, as I say, I struggle with anxiety. And part of the challenge for me in that is knowing I need to trust in God a lot more. And this came to the head for me once many years ago when I was in hospital. And I was told I may need quite a significant operation the next day. And I was stressed out, as you won't believe about this. And I was just lying on my hostel bed, shaking and getting all anxious and all, and I thought, I've got nothing to do. So I took myself for a little walk around, and I took my Bible with me. And I think I even prayed, Lord, just show me something in this Bible. And I opened up the words of Psalm 115. And in there, there are verses to do with trusting the Lord. And, you know, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help and shield. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Trust in the Lord. He is your help and your shield. And so I put my Bible down and I prayed. Trust. And then I went and carried on this walk from this hospital. And everywhere I went, I saw this word trust just coming to me. Hitting me like a ton of bricks. Everyone, trust, 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 trust. And I just said, Lord, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I trust in you. The next day the operation got cancelled and the day after I was left home. <laughs> God was so good to me. Getting our perspective right is so important. The devil wants to trip us up at every opportunity. And that is a reality. And whether that is making sure we spend more time on our phone than we need, 
whether it is making sure we see things that we shouldn't be looking at, whether that is meaning to prompt us into having conversations online which turn into an argument that we don't need to have. The devil tries to trip us up in every way. But God calls us to a different way, to be holy, to be focused on him, to be disciplined in him. And that is no easy thing to do. It is made possible through one thing and one thing only, and that is God himself with us. God working in us. We are reminded we need God every day. We are reminded we need his love every day. We are reminded that without him we fall short. We are reminded that we need to lean on him in everything that we do. And this call to holiness requires that. And so much of it is to do with our minds, the gateway to our soul, impacting on everything that we do. Let us focus on what is noble, what is right, what is pure, and may the Lord bless us. I'm just going to pray now as we finish. And I feel really compelled today today to particularly pray for our anxiety. And we, we may be struggling with it as well today. And I really want to pray as well over really horrible situations some of us might be living with. And there might be things that we share or we don't share. But I want to pray God's peace upon them all. And as we pray that we would focus on the Lord through it all as well and not be tripped up. So, Father God, we come to you this day. And as we come to you, we acknowledge that we need you. And as we acknowledge that we need you, we acknowledge that it is so easy to fall away from you. It is so easy to focus on other things. And those other things bring about so much damage, especially anxiety and attacks on our mind. And I pray now today, Lord, for those who feel like they are being attacked in the mind, for those who feel stirrings of anxiety, for those who are feeling stressed, for those who are feeling they are not good enough, for those who feel like they are sat on their own, even around with people around them, but are feeling so lonely. And Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that anxiety would fall away. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, those attacks would depart. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that any curse would be broken. I pray in the name of Jesus that your peace would come, that your healing would come. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, where there has been a sense of anxiety and darkness and evil and wrong, it would be replaced with a sense of focus on the Lord and of rejoicing in his name. And I pray, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit now. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your peace all the more. Fill us with your kindness. Fill us with your charity. Fill us with all that we need. Fill us with a spirit of rejoicing. May we rejoice in your precious name this day, we ask of you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.